HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by 100 Bogart Street, the brand new co-working space in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Learn more at 100bogart.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Hello and welcome to Snacky Tunes. I'm one half your host, Greg Bresnitz. This week, we are smack dab in the middle of crawfish season and we're heading out west to LA's Coop Crawfish Catering with Chef Mark Grand Prix, who is a basketball coach and teacher. And while he's not working the courts on the weekends, he's drawing in the masses with his delectable crawfish boils and Creole cooking. Then we come back east side to the indie pop dance funk of Crush Club, who teaches everything about the dance lyrics and the bass bod that make up their sound. So sit back and listen as you enjoy this week's episode of Snacky Tunes. We talk about food. We talk about music. With musical dudes. Finger on the pulse. Snacky Tunes.
Hello and welcome to Snacky Tunes. I'm one half your host, Darren Bresnitz. We are sitting here with Chef Mark Grand Prix of Buku Crawfish. That's correct. I got it. <laughs> I was nervous. I was a ner- I was nervous that I wasn't gonna say it right, but a Buku Crawfish. That's how we say it in New Orleans. Buku. Buku. What's Buku mean? Buku means a lot, plenty. Plenty. Plenty, a lot. That's always what I think of when I think of crawfish. Yeah. Uh, I've never had a, a, a plate of crawfish where I was like, oh, those were three or four. You know, I think of yeah, shrimp yeah, 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 or yeah, other yeah. Sh- like shellfish. I'm right. like, hmm, okay, three or four bites. But with crawfish, it's just like... You got to keep going. You got to keep going. You got to keep going. Um, you know? So you grew up in New Orleans, right? I grew up in New Orleans, man. Um, I got to give a shout out to my high school. It's a pretty famous high school back home, St. Augustine High oh, yeah. School. Home of the Purple Knights. So, uh, yeah. I don't, think, I don't think of anyone who's born and raised from New Orleans who doesn't have a lot of pride, not just for the city, but for very, there's like different parts of New Orleans. And like, this is me. Yeah. This is my corner. Yep. This is my block. Yeah. Yep. Without a doubt. Uh, New Orleans people are very, very prideful. Um, very, uh, I don't want to say egotistical, but we have a lot of pride. I mean, there's a lot of good things going on back home. Um, I mean, we, uh, can be, you know, very prideful because we have the best food in the world. We yeah. always think that, you know, we 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 party. Yeah, I mean, it's like the. Um, I, I look at especially New Orleans as the city where, like, if America was allowed to do what it wanted to do, and like drink and party yeah. and work hard and yeah. create art yeah. and cook yeah. great food, yeah. New Orleans. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, from music to food, it's great. It's great. It's great. Um, so you grew up there. Who cooked? Mom, grandma? Everybody. Everybody. Everybody cooked. Um, my first cooking, uh, I don't know how to experience, is Sundays by my grandmother's house. What did she make? Everything. I mean, oh my God. From I mean, of course, the traditional stuff as far as gumbo. Sure. Uh, but she would do stuff like griot and grits, and people don't even know about that. Uh, griot, what is that? Griot is like a, a red sauce mm. that's made with veal. And where did she learn how to cook from? Like, where? Was oh she- my God, I don't, that that's a great question. Um, I wish I knew that. Uh, I mean, my ancestry goes back to France on her side of the family. Okay. Um, her last name is was Cost C O S T E. Her maiden name was Lebeau. Um, I just found out like a couple of months ago that the cost is a huge family in Paris and they have, they're like, they own all these huge restaurants. So I don't know if that's part of it's in your where blood. it started. Right. Right. Um, so she would make a, a ton of things that you couldn't find even in New Orleans restaurants. Um, and mom cooked too, right? Oh, without so a doubt. So is she your, this grandma your mom's mom? Yeah, my mom's mom. So she passed it down to... Passed it down. My mom and my aunts were always be... Well, was in the kitchen with my grandmother on Sundays cooking and the whole family be there. How big of a family? Big. <sighs> huge. My, my, my grandmother... Deep, deep side, deep, huge. My grandmother's <laughs> brothers and sisters went 10. She had 10 kids, you know, so... Uh, that's it was deep it was deep and and what's so crazy is that it could like my grandmother's house used to be a bar room and then they shut it down and just closed up the bar room and 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 they would live at the at their you know at the home and have a bar room in the front of the house and the home would be in the back of the house so uh you know the party would start on friday when people get off of work and would go all the way through sunday evening that's amazing. So what was it like to be to grow up with that? Because a lot of the times, 
I found that either your family cooked and hosted and had open arms. That's how it was. Or didn't. No, and I, I was, was open arms to the 10th power because even to this day, um, with me living in New Orleans, my friends back home still go on a Sunday by my mom's house and eat. They're like, we don't care if you're there. We don't care. We don't care. There. We don't care. But you're like, I'm not going to be there. They're like, yeah, that's, right. not, that's not why we went over in the yeah. first place. Yeah. And I talked to my mom this morning. I talked to her every morning. The first topic of conversation is, what are you cooking and who's coming over? So when did you start getting into, when did food at what age go beyond just like, oh, mom and grandma are cooking to you sort of being aware of food as something, something more than just in front of you on a plate? I don't know. That's a good question. Um, I started getting a bug to start cooking when I moved to Los Angeles. And when did you move to LA? In 1996. What brought you here? Coaching basketball. I, co- I took a college coaching Ooh. job at a junior college out here in, in, in Los Angeles. And I ended up staying and uh, teaching and coaching high school basketball. And then the bug, I mean, there's not a lot. LA offers an incredible amount of diverse cuisines. Right. I would not say New Orleans Creole not cooking is one of them. And I think that's what forced me to have to start cooking. Because you missed it? I missed it. Did people even know in the late 90s what that type of Creole cuisine was? I think so. Because I would get it when I first moved here. People would always ask me about the food. Sure. I think it was it was, it was was pretty popular even back then. Um, but... You just couldn't... I mean, you, there's places out here, and I tried them. Um, no disrespect to those places, but it just wasn't the same. Yeah, I mean, yeah. food culture also in the late 90s was a little different. Yeah. And I think America... I mean, America looks into itself as sometimes, yeah. but not as like a regional cuisine place. Right. The way it does right. now, where right. it's like, okay, we have South Carolina with the Gullah Geechee cuisine. Right. We have New Orleans. We have like the Appalachian stuff, like... You know, when people say New Orleans cuisine now, people can sort of have, right. have a clear idea. Right. So, but you got the bug. Yeah, I got the bug when I moved here and because um, I missed the food. Um, so I was always on the phone with my mom. She must have loved that. Yeah. Any excuse to talk to, for her to talk to her youngest son is... is, 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 is she was like, do you need help in the kitchen? Anything. I remember when I moved away and the first time I started really getting into cooking, ooh, I would talk. <laughs> <laughs> his, his big hay. I know. The dog is trying to get in on the right. interview. But, uh, exactly. Um, you know, when I f- started moving away, my uh, mom would be like, are you cooking? Do you yeah. need some tips? And I'd be like, how, how do I cook this? What right. do I do? And right. she loved it. Right. <laughs> um, and so when did you start going from like, Okay, I'm sort of into this. I'm asking this to be like, no, I actually sort of really want to learn how to cook. Probably um, about three years ago. Okay. When I decided to start um, not just cooking for other people because I've always done that. Sure. People coming over. I love entertaining. Um, But um, when I decided to start cooking and trying to sell it. Yeah. So what was the, so before we get into the business of yep. it, um, going back because I know that you then went home to uh, learn from your mom. Yeah, yeah. Um, like really learn. Like really learn. Like, not just over the phone. Not just over the phone. Yeah. So what was that like? Because I feel you know, especially with your story, but also in other yeah. things, you know, your grandma taught your yeah, mom, yeah. and yeah. then your mom is now teaching you, yeah. and the importance of uh, tradition of 
passing down yeah. recipes, especially as you said, some things that don't even exist in yeah. cookbooks and things like yeah. that. Yeah. So it was an experience. It was so the beauty of being a teacher, I get the whole summer off. Right. I will go home for the whole summer. Sure. As much as possible. So this one summer, I, I warned her because my mom is like right now she's a hundred percent she's blind she's a hundred percent blind she's still cooking which is amazing that's I, amazing i wish i can videotape her when she's cooking so i warn her like mom i'm coming home i need i'm gonna be in the kitchen with you i need a crash course yeah. but i'm gonna need to have to measure everything right so that was a whole different ball game right there like she doesn't mind teaching me but she doesn't want to do the measurements. So that we, we, we were, we, so when I got there, we would fight back and forth. Oh. She would have these breakdowns, but she had to take like a break because she would cuss me out. <laughs> You'd be like, she'd be like, it's a pinch. It's, you just yeah. feel it. And you go, and she, well, what, and be, what's a feel? Is that like a cup? And because she's blind, yeah. everything is feel. So right. she's putting stuff in her hand and I'm like, mom, hold on. Let me put this in this cup, let me see what the measurement is. And then I would either just round up or down on the measurements and stuff like that. But she would get frustrated because it would slow her up. And she was she would move and shake in the kitchen. So she would cuss me out. And... <laughs> but she must have felt pride. I mean, to know that her recipes will live on and her mother's yeah. recipes will live well, on. That, that, that you're yeah. going to spread them out. That was the... Uh, the, how, how can I say that? That was like my selling point yeah. to get her to measure. Right. Like I had to motivate her and, and, and do things to just to get her to understand what I was trying to do. We, yes, that was one of the things that I, I had to uh, I explained to her to try to get her to say, OK, I'll, I'll do this with you. Now, did your mom make crawfish? Uh, you know, or as far as like boiling it, boiling like what was your special? You know thing? what? Boiling seafood outside is more of the man's job. So is it still split by like male female roles of cooking? Oh, without a doubt, women do not get a big pot and set it up and boil it back at home. That doesn't happen. That they, doesn't. they do. They do not barbecue. Right. They do, they, they're not on a grill and they're not boiling seafood. But the kitchen is is her domain. Is her domain. Yeah. And you sit at her feet and you go, yes, yeah. ma'am. Yeah. Without yes, a doubt. Um, and what were her? So what did she teach you? I, I guess to me, if she didn't teach you crawfish and that sort of. Uh, what you're most known for, even though I know you do yeah, other yeah. types of food. I do other food. types of food. Um, what was she teaching you? She would teach me, um, what we would do was, I would, every meal that I knew I grew up on eating, I scheduled it out one meal per week. Sure. For us to go over the recipes. Um, I already had the basic funda fundamentals of cooking because of growing up with her. She, you know, There were certain things as a child she would teach us just like basic fundamentals, cutting, seasoning. Sure. Uh, you know, just being... The Holy Trinity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And being around the fire, you know, just those type of things on how to handle a knife and all those type of things. So, um, but just getting in there and seeing how she preps and how she like just goes from one step to the next on a specific meal that she's cooking. So the timing, the process, yeah, the, the timing, mental, yeah, yeah, without a doubt, which yeah. is a big thing because timing is, is very big. As if you run a business yeah. and you're like trying to get things out, that yeah. timing and knowing when you I got to get this in exactly the day before for it to be ready right. at noon tomorrow. Right, and I and I would take all of that and put it in chef restaurant terms and process. Well, we're going to take a quick break because yep. we're going to talk about the chef restaurant and the business and, and, okay. and, and starting Boku Crawfish. Uh, we're going to have a song from the archives here on Snacky Tunes 
on heritageradionetwork.org. Don't you tell them what to do Just sit yourself down And don't do these things to you Sit yourself down Never between us How you see right through that hard you got means everything to you when I hit you on the knuckle baby look me in death in the eye watch you see right through me too tambo solo So good. He don't cry and find somebody else that will keep all your actions. You'll do it just if I. We're gonna destroy this room, right, Andy? Ready? Okay. Snacky Tunes. We are here with Chef Mark Grand Prix of Buku Crawfish. Um, so once you had learned everything from your mom, which I'm sure is something that like, that's something you remember forever. Right. Um, you had started to think about having a business or when did you start to say, I'm going to start doing a food service. Right. Food. Sorry, I'm going to start. Hello and welcome to Snacky. <clears throat> Hello and welcome back to Snacky Tunes. I'm one half your host, Darren Bresnitz. We're Chef Mark Grand Prix of Buku Crawfish. So once you've learned everything from your mom and you've gotten a handle on, on it, um, you said that part of the reason why you went down was because you started to think about serving food, making it more of a business. What, mm-hmm. what got you there? Well, um, I was laid off from my teaching job. Okay. Um, so I'm sitting around one day and I get a phone call from sitting around trying to figure out well, what I'm going to do next. Am I yeah. going to try to get another teaching job or so I get a phone call from a buddy of mine's back home and I'm just talking to him about my life and he's like why don't you boil crawfish out there right. you know how to do it and I was like then the light bulb went over my head and that was like April and in May I put on a party here at my home in the back and invited a bunch of people over and everybody loved it and I was like okay this is gonna happen yeah this is gonna happen so I started off my business just boiling 
crawfish. Right. And what happened was, like, a few weeks later, uh, I'm scouring the internet to figure out how I can sell the crawfish. And I was looking at festivals, and I, and I came across the L.A. Food Fest. Mm-hmm. And what year is this? 2016? Okay. 2015? I'm not, I'm not sure. 2016, I think. And... Um, so I seen that they were still uh, doing auditions or taking entries. So I contacted the people and brought my stuff over, and they loved it, and they selected me, and I was that was the start of Buku Crawfish. And that's actually the first time where I had yeah, your crawfish. Yeah, that was the first time. So, you know, a lot of people have a job mm-hmm. or looking for a side hustle. Uh, what is that like to start a business um, with the food side hustle? Man, it's tough um, because you have to still pay your rent at the end of the day. Sure. <laughs> and um, so you have to find something that's con- that's bringing in consistent money. Mm-hmm. In my particular uh, case, I, I, I'm teaching. I got back into the teaching. Um, so, it's you know, you have to market your business. That takes time, which is social media nowadays. Um, and you're cooking. So you have to find ways to um, I come home from work and either I'm uh, uh, marketing or I'm cooking. And the weekends is always cooking. I mean, your social game is pretty strong. I, mean, I, 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 I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I, mean, I, look at, I mean, I look at it, and I'm, every time I look at it, I go, I mean, this is just, but I'm like, I want crawfish. Right. Um, but how do you, you know, what is the consistency? I mean, what is the response? You know, how have you built a community um, through social media and, uh, yeah. you know, the having a response because it's so interactive, yeah. you know, because growing up yeah. Yeah. with chefs and even some bigger chefs, you're just like, I can't ever talk to them. But I assume that you're talking to a lot of the people who are fans. Yeah, I mean, I get a lot of um, direct messages or DMs. Um, people always commenting. Um, you know, and, 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 and the thing about social media I'm learning is that you have to combine it with something. Mm-hmm. Meaning you have to do something other than just social media to promote, even if it's something little. So like last summer, um, I would do pop-ups. Mm-hmm. And so that would help with the social media. Right. So you would go to bars, different places. Yeah. Like I, I, there's a, um, a deli um, in my neighborhood right around the corner. Uh, it's called Potato Chip Deli. And I'm really good. I'm cool with the um, owner. Um, and um, he's open from like 11 to 4. Mm-hmm. So I would go there, you know, always get a sandwich. And an and idea hit me and was like, hey, Raphael, you're closed at 4. Can I get in here at when you close at five and, and for a few hours and sell my food. And he was like, yeah, come on. So I, I started doing that once a week on every Friday. And um, that's when um, I started uh, implementing my other menus, which is my other food items. Right, because beyond crawfish, you do... Uh, Gumbo, jambalaya, party rice, party rice. Rice. I fry seafood, um, and you name it, I can, I do it. I have, a, I have a, a full catering menu that I send out to people. And so what was the reaction to that, especially from people in L.A., but also people who also are ex-New Orleans? Right, like, yeah, like everybody it. loved it. Um, I, I, my, my goal was to just target my neighborhood, which sure. is the Fairfax District. Um, I would walk around in the evening time and hang up flyers in the neighborhood, and um, and people would show up, and I use social media. Isn't it great <laughs> just to be like, I'm going to do this, and then people showed up? It's but, crazy, man. I, I, I don't, yeah. I mean, it's great when, it, you know, 
Yeah, I don't, it's great. It's unexplainable. It's like the best feeling in the world. Well, I mean, you know, the one thing I say is the crawfish you get. Every time I see photos of it and the ones that I had yeah. are not those dinky little crawfish. No. They're big, meaty ones. I get them from home. I have, um, I use my brother as my um, shipping supplier, and he goes to the seafood markets in in New Orleans, in the New Orleans area. There's this, uh, there's a seafood market in West Wego, Louisiana, um, that's has a ton of stuff. Sometimes we get it straight off the boat from people. Damn. Um, and then when he ships it overnight? He, he ships, no, we get it the same day. Wow. So, I don't want to tell my secret. No, 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 no. This, this, isn't, this isn't for the secrets. <laughs> but, you got a guy. I got a guy. You got a guy there. I got a guy there. Yeah. Because I remember the first time I had it and subsequent times, I was, I've just been like, this is just like being back in New Orleans, yeah. but it went beyond just the seasoning and flavors. It was like the meat, the water, because you, you, you can taste you, the, the terroir when, of when, the crawfish. When I open up the sack, you can smell Louisiana. Does it bring you right back home? Oh, without a doubt. Your senses is amazing, what, what, the, what it does as far as memories. So you're doing another round of pop-ups this season as well, because for people who don't know, crawfish is it's a season. season. Seasonal. Yeah, seasonal. Which is a, a season I look forward to. Yeah. It's every only about year. four or five months a year. Uh, which is probably a good thing because I think the amount of crawfish that get eaten during that season, if it was full year round, there'd be none left. There would be none left. There would be, it would be, the, the, the species would be extinct. <laughs> At least in Louisiana. Louisiana. Um, so, uh, so you're starting to do pop-ups again this season at 504 Bar. Yeah. And that where is that in Los Angeles? That's in Hollywood okay. at 6541 Hollywood Boulevard. It's a great little New Orleans bar that I never knew existed until I went to see the Saints and Vikings playoff game. There's always, you know, say what you will about sports. Yeah. That's a great way to meet people yeah. in your community yeah. if you don't live there. Exactly. You're like, yeah. oh yeah, there's a, my wife and I are Eagles fans. Yeah, yeah. And there's Eagle bars around there. Right. You go like, oh, you're from Philadelphia, we're from Philadelphia, things like that. Yeah. So you went there to see uh, Saints game and you started talking to the owner? Well, no, not at that time. So I'm sitting there and the place was packed. Yeah. And then that's when the idea hit me. <laughs> the wheels turning, you're that's like. That's wheels like. You're like, you probably all like my food. Yeah. And. This is the way it's set up is perfect for eating crawfish. Yeah. It's not a fancy, smashy place. It's a bar. It's a New Orleans dive bar in the heart of Hollywood. So it's good. So what's the deal? So it's going every Sunday. It's every talk, Sunday it's from happening. 1 to 7. Awesome. And just come in and what? Is it by the pound? We're selling it by the pound. We're selling it at $12 a pound, which is below market price in, good. in Los Angeles. And until uh, you run out? Until we run out, I'm gonna do for the uh, I'm gonna do about 150 pounds for the first event, and then see how it goes. Yeah, and hey, and we're gonna be there Easter Sunday. Oh yeah, we're gonna be there Easter Sunday every Sunday. That's amazing. And we're gonna have a brass band um, or a DJ. We're gonna have a brass band today. We're gonna have a brass band for the first one. Amazing. Yeah. Um, and so what? So there's gonna be crawfish, but it's gonna be other specialties. Uh, crawfish. Um, I'll throw some um, boil corn in there and the pot and potatoes. Sausage. Corn and no sausage this time. No sausage. All right. So you know, as you cook and as you spread the word, um, how does it feel of carrying the culinary traditions from your grandmother, great grandmother, your mother out into the world into another part of the world? Because you know, yeah. your your family, as yeah. you said, is still in New Orleans, yeah. but now you're had this like 
culinary diaspora to LA mm-hmm. and are spreading this tradition. I mean, there's a good chance some people, maybe not at the Louisiana New Orleans bar, but might be having this type of food for the first time. Right. And you're spreading that gospel right. of like these are flavors in yeah. America yeah. Uh, that are important to me and to my family, and I'm now sharing it with you. Yeah, I mean, it's great. Um, there's no pressure involved in that. I'm, it's all fun and it's all love, and it's just, you know, it's. Um, you know, teaching someone how to open up and eat a crawfish is a is a really good feeling. Has anyone gotten squeamish? I mean, it's not the most ladylike or gentlemanlike way to eat food, right? right. But I feel like it's so visceral, right? That like once you get past where it's like a little messy, yeah, yeah, you just get into it, yeah, and it becomes addictive. Oh, and once you get, and that's key. What you said is getting past that. Oh. It, you know, I have to suck the head. I have to do this. But once you get this rhythm going and you learn how to start opening them up and then you're opening them up faster and faster and faster, then it becomes an addiction, really. I've definitely uh, totally zoned out where, like, the whole world disappears. Just stops. Yeah. And, and it's, it's just me. Your crawfish and, and your and beer. I, and my beer and my crawfish. And That's the it. pile of um, yeah. unopened crawfish. Yeah. Slowly morphs into a pile of open crawfish. Yeah, exactly. And then you come off for air and you're like, wait, what happened? What happened? What happened? What's well, the score in the game? What's the score of the game? Right. We're still up? Okay, I'm going yeah, back Yeah, in. yeah. Um, so the pop-ups happening this season through the whole season. Yep. Um, all the way through June. All the way through June. And you're still teaching. But where do you see the future of, of uh, Buku Crawfish? You know, what would you like? Man, I would love a, a restaurant. Yeah. That's my ultimate goal. Um, to do, a, you know, right now we're catering. Um, I do events. I do parties, meetings. Um, but eventually I would love to um, have my own restaurant. It doesn't have to be a, a big restaurant. It can just somewhere some people can uh, come and get my food on a, on a daily basis. And how do, you, how do you plan, how do you train to go from pop-ups, catering, things like that on the business side to running a real restaurant. Mm-hmm. Because I think a lot of people, you know, not a lot of people, uh, but, you know, they do what you do. They have yeah, an yeah. amazing food side hustle, but then that, that jump is a big jump. I mean, it's kind of like, um, you know, you, it's like any, a lot of creative industry, mm-hmm. right? So if I'm, a, or if I'm a, a singer, I have the talent to sing, but I need, you, you also have to have the, the business sense yeah. to, to run your singing business or whatever you want to do it or if you're a painter or if you're anything. And it's the same thing in this business. You know, I can, I'm all, I'm, I'm in the kitchen all day. Uh, my business um, savvy is not going to be as good as someone who's, who does, who's a restauranteur and that's all sure. they do. And they're not in the kitchen cooking. No. So, um, yeah, you have to be able to, you know, learn a lot or learn a little of a lot. You yeah. know, um, in order to be successful, um, I, I remember growing up uh, with this with this guy named Master P, and uh, oh yeah, rapper. So yeah. you know, I always say that he wasn't the best rapper, but his business acumen was off the oh, chain, legendary, right? right. Legendary so, for his business, right? yeah. yeah. So that's how you have to be. You know, he's a rapper, but he was also a really, really good business guy. You know, well, listen, anyone who's in the business of owning a restaurant would be lucky. To work right, with you. right. Hey, and, and if anyone is interested in partnering up and open to help me open up this restaurant, contact me. I'm, I'm open. My, I have a whole my recipes is ready to go. Yeah, and they are delicious. Well, yeah. I want to thank you so much. 
Where can pre- people find you online, internet? Um, at Buku Crawfish Instagram. Um, Spell that for people because they may not know. B-E-A-U-C-O-U-P-C-R-A-W-F-I-S-H. Buku Crawfish. Or if it was in France, it'll be what? Boku? Boku. Boku Crawfish. Well, Mark, thank you so much. I appreciate you coming, Darren. I appreciate you making crawfish in uh, LA. Thank, thank you, man. Make sure you come on Sunday. I will. Yeah. I will. Um, One of the Sundays, at least. Yeah. I'll yeah. probably try and get there on the first Sunday. Yeah, great. Uh, well, I want to thank you so much. We have another song from the archives, and then up next is a live performance here on Snacky Tunes on HeritageRadioNetwork.org.
100 Bogart Street is finally open and ready for Bushwick. 100 Bogart is a brand new, state-of-the-art co-working space that provides turnkey workspaces, including open layout desks, meeting spaces, and furnished private offices. Members have access to top-notch amenities such as custom furniture, high-speed internet, spacious kitchenettes with coffee and tea, printers, scanners, and much more. Alongside their professional work environment, 100 Bogart also provides exclusive educational programming for any curious entrepreneur. Heritage Radio Network has made their new office home at 100 Bogart and will host many events there in the future. For more information about their co-working space, visit 100bogart.com and become a member to network, create, and educate. Hey, thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network. This is Katie, HRN Executive Director, and I'm so excited to share with you our coverage from the Charleston Wine and Food Festival. We are here live today at Charleston Wine and Food. Join us as we talk all things food. Come to Charleston, eat some seafood. Eat all of the seafood. Chicken fried chicken with chorizo steak and salsa verde mashed potatoes. So quintessentially like Southern fare at its finest. And have important conversations. We're also talking about professional women in restaurants and how underrepresented they are. People of color in restaurants and how they're not talked about. We get real with Food Network's Manit Chohan. Balance is BS. <laughs> uh, I, I, I was, yeah, I was told that uh, I wasn't going to be bleeped out. And find out about raising sugarcane with Chef Sean Brock. It's like being Indiana Jones or something. You never know what you're going to find. You'll come away inspired by the power of food and the food scene in Charleston. Here's Dr. Jessica B. Harris. Food is constantly in flux. Food is always moving. Food is the only real lingua franca that we have that allows us to connect with other folks. So tune in to Heritage Radio Network on tour at heritageradionetwork.org or wherever you get your podcasts. You can't go wrong. Welcome back. Crush Club. Hey. Live in Studio TC in the Chev. Hello. Yay. Ah. Uh, <laughs> you're the only one. It's like a it's kind of a like a name Le Chev. Yeah. Uh, that's been around for a while, and sometimes you know you pick a name for yourself, and you're like, man, it's like goofy. You know, after it's like a word that you just say over and over and over again, and after a while, it doesn't mean anything to you. And so I'm so glad you said it. And you said it right, and well, it's just nice. E- well, we've known each other for a long time. I know. So yeah. lots I, of emails. You lots. know, actually. Well, I mean, bef- prior to Crush Club. Yeah, yeah, I like yeah, sweaty yeah. house parties in Brooklyn yeah. with Alex Pasternak of Y'all Lemonade. dated, huh? Well, yeah. <laughs> I'm all, well, this, I mean, the sun's still up, and we're listening to sun's funk. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. And yeah. disco and grooves. Yeah. I just texted my brother, this sounds like stuff we listened to when we were out. Yeah. 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 Right. Which is great. Feels Thanks, right. It feels I, right. I'd say definitely one of the motivating factors of Crush Club is like, that's what you want. Just do that. Yeah. I'm not like, um, I'd say we're not really going head to head with FKA Twigs on yes. this project. We're having like a really amazing funk time. I remember yeah. all uh, smells. I remember when <laughs> yeah. I was at the end of DJing. It was when like you know, and you're still four, you're DJing right now, kind of. Okay, when yeah. like four by four right. and heavy bass is coming out, right. and I was like, yeah, oh, yeah. I'm gonna have to stop because I just don't like this, and, I, I, yeah. and, and I'm not, and I'm not gonna, and no one wants to hear the music I like anymore. So I guess I'm done. And there are some people who are just like you know DJ with the times, and right. yeah. So it's like you can always tell when people like because I mean. Um, watching you two perform, it's like 
it could be two or two hundred or two thousand, and I and I'm totally pretty right. sure it's the same performance. Yeah, which yeah. means that you love it. Oh yeah, yeah, deep yeah, in yeah. the core. This, uh, if it, if it's you know 100 BC, this is the same, even if we went back in time. Back in time. Well, probably probably <laughs> less amplified. Uh yeah, more just <laughs> no. We find the Colosseum. Yeah, <laughs> sound bounces off the wall. It, it really does. Um, there there are a few words that I continue to see how Crush Club is defined: bold, sexy, oh, oh, reckless. Yeah. Instincts, body, anticipation. Mm-hmm. That just came from the chef's tinder. Move, <laughs> movement. Um, <laughs> movement. Yeah. Well, I mean, no, that's I, my... and I, but I can say it because, you know, you move, but you, you were giving great base face and great <sighs> base body, yeah. which I think is a new era. What is it to, to be able to embody those words and kind of like how does it take your music to kind of like both from the intangible and the tangible parts of words and then a feeling? That's such a good question. Um, t- f- let me just answer for you. Sure. No. Just, uh, <laughs> to me, it's like, you know, you go through music, you learn all this garbage. I f- studied so much shit. And especially this project, like music, so much of it is just magical. It makes you move in a way. And most people don't know, like, that's an A or that's a B. And to think about it is kind of dumb, too, you know? So... This is more like everything goes in, you learn all your stuff, and then just do it, whatever feels good at the time. And you'll know, like, it's not just dancing. I'm actually, I can't sing very well at all, but I, I do the, um, I do the, like, Oscar Peterson. I don't know if you ever, if you ever listen to Oscar Peterson. It's like, he has a jazz piano player, and he's, uh, he sings along with his piano, and he sings all crazy. So it's like, it's this most unbelievable piano solo you've ever heard, and he's going like, So I'm, a, I'm doing that also. So you're like, you're like backup yelling. I'm backup yelling. <laughs> I'm bass facing. I'm body, bass, body bass, bass, bassing. Body bassing. That's a lot. That's a, and you're just singing. Huh. I'm Get to work. Singing, yeah. You know? Yeah. I'm just, I'm just grooving. Five checks for me. One for him. Ten for me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, when you're when you're making this music, you know, it's so easy for the lyrics to kind of be throwaway or just kind of repetition. How do you match it? And you know, what are you saying within the music that that you know complements the uh, backup yelling? <laughs> <laughs> um, we spend time on our lyrics. No, uh, obviously. <laughs> no, it's very know, obvious. That, that yeah, was a compliment. Very, I know. Yes, yeah, very, thank, thank it you might, so much. That might have not come out as a compliment, but it, yeah. it was. Right. <laughs> no, I, no. Think, I think we know that it could easily turn into that. And yep. so we try to be at least a little real and smart with the lyrics. And then <sighs> yeah. usually, you know, I've had a fun night and I come in and I'm just speaking gibberish. And then Cheever just turns it into English. Yeah. Very helpful. You know, it's one of the we have one song that's that never saw the light of day that's called Marshmallow. I shouldn't even give it away because someone's gonna just steal it and make it a song. They owe us money already. And and uh, it was it was late in Paris, and our friend who's um, at the time pretty ESL um, guy from Brussels. And we're and we're like getting messed up, and we're like, let's go just jam, let's go make a beat. So we make a beat that's really slow and drunk, <laughs> and the hook just goes marshmallow, marshmallow, marshmallow. So oh, nice, so nice. <laughs> and it was the fucking jam, like it was really good. Yeah. So it's maybe not not out yet. Coming, yeah. coming. That's you just sang the know chorus, who and then it back makes in. sense for someone. Someone, someone's gonna someone. use it. Yeah. 
Everyone we, loves marshmallows. Can we hear a song? A song? Oh, please. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah, let's do a song. What right. are you going to play for us first? We Dance. We Dance, which um, I don't know if we're going to play later. There's also the remix of this song that's currently storming up the charts. BBC World One, Australia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, super mini, super mini remix. Thank you, Ramon. Ramon so good. Lopez. Here we go. Crush Club Live on Snacky Tunes.
I want to talk about the concept of a super mini remix because I've never come across that before. So what is a super mini remix and how much does it differentiate from the original before it goes into a super remix or a mini remix? Please educate. Oh, this is, uh, I wish it was something that we came It was actually just somebody's DJ name. (laughs) But, you know, okay, on that note... We have done a super mini, we've done like super mini EP, like where it just has like two seconds of every song and it's so disorienting and, but that's the advertisement for the EP. Um, anyway, yeah, this guy, Ramon, um, I forgot his last name. Lopez. Ramon Lopez. Yeah. Um, Australian guy, hit us up randomly, found the song. Um, you know, please let me remix, and we send him sense. Of course, you know if anyone. What's crazy is that, that he yeah. was he was really eager, and I think like now today, when someone's really eager, you kind of like think, "What's up with this person?" Which is pretty screwed <laughs> it's up. It's really cynical, but yeah, I mean, it's but like sad. I know it's because right. before you're just like, "Oh, we're collaborating." Yeah, but now you're like, "What's what's the angle here?" Yeah, what, what's what's the game guy? Are you a real person? Like like are yes. you like a fourteen year old? But is this just some like is Russian? This, bot? Is, that, is yeah. this Lashev just like? Building Fucking, up confidence. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I sent this message to myself five years ago, so at the time I'd be like, "Yeah, someone's listening, love it." But it turns <laughs> out, like, refreshingly, he happens to be someone who just likes music and reaches out to people. Mm-hmm. And I think he had like a remix, like on the Billboard US Dance Chart. Like he's like killing it, and uh, he's just super eager and like amazing. When we did remixes and like a million lifetimes ago, right. the last message I spent on sent on MySpace was to Licky Lee to be like, I'm a really big fan. Can you send me the stems for a little bit? And she did. Like Amazing. right before and I was right. like like when you used to be able to be like, hey, I really like this. Can we remix it? And she's like, Yeah, here you go. Like that was an earnest time. Totally. Yeah. That is a long time right. ago. Yeah. Now it's like someone writes you like, Are you going to hack me and is this a phishing scam? Yeah. Are you just gonna release the song like yeah. before yeah. it's out? Right. Yeah. And are you going to like take credit for it and then I have to be like, No, that's ours. Yeah. Like yeah. It's so dark. Do it people is. do that? Actually, have you heard that someone is like, Hey, let me remix this and they just release it and be like, I wrote this song? <laughs> that would be <laughs> that's so awesome. Great that, idea. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> how do we write this album? We gotta we'll go. never tell. <laughs> we'll never tell. Yeah. Can we hear another song? Yes. Please. What are you yes. going to play for us this time? What do you want to do, Chi Chi? Let's do Trust. Trust. Yes. Yes. What everyone needs a little bit more of. This is the gayest Perfect. Crush Club song what, to date. <laughs> to date. Yeah. What, what makes it the gayest Crush Club song? Um, It just feels like, you know, like dark club, like... Um, does that Sexy. equal gay? It equals gay. I mean, have you been to a straight? I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've been to Sorry, I've been just, everywhere. I'm, it makes me feel like I'm like in a back room, yes. you know, getting my dick sucked. Ooh. Oh, yeah. okay. Here we go on Snacky Tunes. Sloppy. Trust. <laughs>
You have a DJ residency at Club Coming. So Something sad has happened. Fun. What has happened? So, I guess like their neighbors or, or something happened where. Um, this is a classic New York tale. Yeah, it's like, like the cabaret license fuck. thing, only it's like the performance license thing. And someone brought it to like the city's attention that they mm-hmm. didn't have a license for DJs or live performances. And so, for the time being, they are shut down just for live stuff. They're still open, but. Yeah, any DJ or or like uh, live show nights have been indefinitely postponed. That said, the <clears throat> the residency there has been so fun yeah. Could, for for the uninitiated. Yeah, and my parents. Yeah, yes. what is Club Coming? Club Coming is Eastern Block back. It's Eastern Block 2.0. So Eastern Block was a gay bar in the East Village that went off when I was in college. Super sexy, fun, you know, stripper poles, go-go dancers. And then it mm-hmm. kind of got lame. And then as, Alan as Cumming... Things, as things do. As things do. Which is fine. And they were going to shut down. But then mm-hmm. Alan Cumming bought it and then turned it into Club Cumming. Which originated from his dressing room when he was on Broadway. He used to turn it into Club Cumming and made a little sign for it. And that's where it started. Is that true? That is very true. Oh, yes. yes. I'm just here to fill in. Was that during in. Cabaret? Uh, yes, I'm just here to fill in the facts. Thank yes, it was during you. To, so it's like he would invite people back, and then that was Club Coming, and someone made a sign, and then like Cabaret closed, and they're like, let's keep this going. Ah. And that's where the idea originated from. Amazing. Yeah. I mean, I love Alan Cumming. He's the best. Um, also, like the only way you could get away with a ton of press with that name and be like, yeah, well, that's his last name. Yeah. <laughs> Say what you will. Say what you will. <laughs> I that's his I last. Don't I don't know what yeah. you're saying, but that's his last name. Just come. I back. think a lot of people inside are taking it for face value. <laughs> yeah. You mean on the face value? On the face. Yes, value. all over the face in the mouth. But I mean, that is that is the thing about New York, where it is like something is so good, and a lot of people have a good time, and then there's one. I won't. I won't name the bar, but it's a well-known story about this uh, bar um, that used to have this like ex DIY punk rock kid turned lawyer. Who then like system like systematically got them to roll back their hours, yeah. and it's like one person who moved in above a bar, and then was upset that they moved in above a bar, right. and then like kind of ruined it for everyone else. Yeah, and I think that, yeah, that's that's exactly what's going on here. It's so crazy to me when people move to a city, into a musical neighborhood, mm-hmm. and then a young expect neighborhood expect that it'll be nice and quiet for them. Right. Yeah, I don't understand. It will be in seven years. Just yeah. in the time. I, I feel like <laughs> I just feel that there's a social contract that you enter by coming, especially to New York. I mean, to other right. people, but like coming to New York, like, oh, it's loud. How are you surprised? Uh, right. Like, what did you actually want? Crazy. What did you want out of this city? Right. That's at all. Right. And then it's like, oh, here's a lot of people and a lot of people who can be marginalized or mm-hmm. not celebrated or pushing quarter who are just like living their lives. Right. And like, you know what? I don't like this. This represents everything I don't like, so I'm going to stop this. Right. Yeah. I wonder if um, I wonder if Alan Cumming is going to go to court over this. They he's got made a lot of, it seem like it of, was very like, oh, we just it's paperwork that we like missed, and like it, it'll be solved in ver- like ten days, or like two weeks. And <laughs> or you like know what? Two years. The way they make shit happen, I kind of believe them. And Alan right. Cumming is kind yeah. of like. He's gonna get. He's, he's gonna like get a it lord. Yeah. Of, he's like you know a god in New York, and I feel like he's gonna make it happen. And they made a good point. That's like this is a cultural hub. 
Like yeah. if you shut this down, you're like silencing people. Yeah. And I think that's true. And I, and I don't disagree with it. I mean, Man. honestly, it's like that's where cabaret, cabaret laws came from. It was to stop black people from dancing. I mean, it's right. like full right. stop. That's what it is. Yeah. I mean, like, like look at all these people who are different, having a good time. Like we can't do racist stuff. So shut we'll be down. like, oh, shut it down. But like, I mean, we all went out. Like I, we danced, we spent our entire 20s, and early 30s dancing. No one came and stopped it. That law got right. repealed six months ago. Right. It wasn't our parties that were getting shut down. I was so confused when I heard it was still a law. Right. I was because like, oh. it was there for the use of that or for things like right. things like this. It's interesting because right. New York is starting um, a nightlife task force too. Like, and they've shown that like nightlife mm-hmm. and this type of culture actually benefits the city and mass. It like does oh, it on right. whole and it shows like it oh, brings right. people, it brings ideas together, it like right. breaks down bears. So yeah. then to do this, for that's super public too. Yeah. Huh. Do they shame who the neighbor is? You know, I, I think I might, I don't know if I'm making the neighbor up, but it felt like someone made it like known to the powers that be that, that this was happening and then they got shut down. Like, so I, I'm sure no one that actually goes to that bar, like, you know, yeah. or works at that bar or like is around that bar, like whatever bring attention to unless, this so unless someone got bounced like okay fine they got i'm dro- sure it's the person that pays four thousand dollars for the one bedroom apartment right. above the bar or who someone, wanted eastern block to close and help to close or Oof. someone got drunk and was like i'll show them and like drunk child 311 and we're like who did i call <laughs> right. last night oh my god <laughs> i can't believe this is happening who oh, would do no. this i'm sorry amanda lapore oh, i'm sorry um no i want to make sure you have an upcoming ep may yes may-ish it's an ish. An ish. Yeah. Sometime this year ish. Yeah, definitely. What what can we expect on the upcoming EP? You'll hear two of these songs that we're playing today. Okay. We dance and trust. Um three more unbelievable perfect songs. Yes. <laughs> With non-standard lyrics <laughs> that will touch the soul but also shoot from the hip. Yeah. Yes. You think after. <laughs> yes. When you're humming it in the shower, you go, yeah. I do feel that way. And I do want to be free. I do want to be free. You yes. know what? I, I like it. I'm, I don't take it for granted. I don't. I like freedom. So this year-ish, stay tuned. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Yeah. Okay. Well, I want to make sure we have time for one more song. Uh, where can people find you? Listen to your mini mix that is super mini super mix. mix. Climbing up the charts. <laughs> yeah. Where can people Storming find you? Storming up the charts right now. Um, so the super mini remix will be out in the next couple weeks on Tinted Records, which is an Australian dance label. And then the rest of our stuff that's released is on Spotify, SoundCloud, you know, YouTube. It's it's a miracle. If you actually look up Crush Club, Vowels In, uh, you'll find us. You will also find the like 2008 Teenage Nightclub. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's so uh, cool. Where I was like, what I was doing, I was like, oh, okay. So I found a very certain amount of time in New York and Crush Club. <laughs> it's cool. We're going to leave it on that. Yeah, yeah. What's the name of the last song you're going to play for us? It's the first song we made. Yeah, yeah get me off. Yeah, first song we made, and it was a real great, like, you know, sometimes you make a tune, received well, everyone's like, yes, energy's right, and this this is the whole project just kickstarting. It was, felt great, and that it was a reason for everything. Perfect. Well, thanks for listening this week. 
Um, we appreciate you coming by. Thanks. Thanks for letting me harass you uh, for a year <laughs> to come on the show. Uh-huh. When the time is right, the time is right. Yes. You know. Shout out to everyone. Thanks for tuning in this week. We will be back next week with a new episode of Snacky Tunes. Take yes. it away.
We talk about food. We talk about music with musical dudes. Finger on the pulse, snacky tunes. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.